Welcome to the Grove Church Podcast and thegrovekc.com. Our mission as a church is to encourage people to discover true treasure in Jesus Christ. We hope you find today's teaching helpful and encouraging. Thanks for joining us. Well, good morning, guys, and again, welcome, and again, happy Father's Day, as Walter said. Uh, It is a joy to get to be with you. Uh, I think we've met, but if not, my name's Christian. I'm the lead pastor here at The Grove, and we we are really, um, we use the word excited a lot. I get that, Um, but it really is a joy to get to gather together. I want to highlight, just if you didn't know, this is a program. Inside of that, you'll find a number of things. You can uh, see what's happening around The Grove. A lot of things going on here as we make our way into summer. Uh, and summer gets cooking, uh, and it is cooking, right? It's been cooking here in, uh, in Missouri. I uh, was reminded of that uh, as we, we returned. I thought it was hot in Texas, and then it came here, and it was hot too. Um, but uh, in there, you'll also find uh, a connection card. We'd love for you to fill that out. You can let us know how to pray for you. Let us know about steps you want to take. If there's things, questions you have or uh, ways that you want to get involved, we'd love to, to know about that. And there's some ideas you can take a look there. There's also a giving envelope, uh, so you can fill that out. And after the message or after the service, you can drop those giving envelopes. If you want to be a part of moving the mission of the Grove forward through your, your giving, uh, then you can drop those envelopes there in the offering bo- um, box. It's a box that's back there at the, the back. Um, and then finally, there is a listening guide. So if you want to follow along as we make our way through the, the message today, uh, you can use that and follow along. Before we get going, would you guys pause with me and we just pray again. I know we don't always do that at this point, but I'd like to just stop and pray one more time. So join me in prayer. Father, all all praise does belong to you, and I ask that as we open your word, uh, you would tune our hearts, our minds uh, to your word, to what you have to say to us. Holy Spirit, guide us and guide me um, and help us to learn together for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we're, uh, we're almost at the tail end of this series, Built to Last. Again, we've been going back and looking at some key qualities that we wanted to be a part of the renovation of this space, key qualities that we hope will be a part of the way we do life together, uh, and how we just handle the projects, the different things that show up uh, in our daily lives. As we get started, I want to I show you a list. We're going to do things a little bit different than we have uh, in the, the past few weeks. But I want you to see this list right off the top and just kind of look at the names here for a second and I'll I'll give you some, oh, I'm sorry, I put it in the wrong order. We're going to get there in a second, okay? Can you skip down to the list? That's my fault. Um, Here's the list. I want you to just see these names. There's, uh, I think, roughly 16 to 18 of them total. Um, You'll recognize the name there at the top. We'll talk about him. And this is names as well as companies. Um, I want you to, to see that list. We couldn't get all those people here. We couldn't get them all up on this stage, probably. Um, but that is a list of companies and, and particular people who contributed their time or, in some form or fashion, uh, discounts. They, they gave towards this renovation project. I, I mentioned Abe there at the top. Abe is a part of our congregation. Uh, he's a plumber, and Abe did a tremendous amount of plumbing in this building, but basically all the plumbing 
in this building. There may have been a few things where we kicked in and, and helped out, just doing some demo and that kind of thing. But, but Abe did a tremendous job giving of his time on top of his own job, coming here at different points. Uh, a lot of times when, when nobody was even working um, late at night, just various times to, to work and get stuff done. But this list of, of companies, which, which came about in all kinds of ways. They were previous relationships. Some of them were relationships multiple times out. One of the guys, Matthew Anderson, was on the, the first page. He's a trim carpenter. He, did, he gave us a day, and he just said, hey, I'm going to come, and I'm just going to work for a day and get as much done uh, trim carpentry-wise. And he's a, a tremendous trim carpenter. Well, we didn't know Matthew Anderson, except that my wife had a meeting about something related to school with his wife. They didn't know each other, but they got to talking, and he, she found out about this project and said, my husband's a trim carpenter. He'd love to help, and, I thought, and then Sarah came and told me, and I thought, all right, I'm glad to hear he'd love to help, but she volunteered him. He didn't volunteer. I don't know how this is going to work, and, uh, but sure enough, I called him up, and, and he was great to just give it. He said, hey, it's a little slow this week. I got a bunch coming up later, but I'll just give you a day, and I'll knock out as much as I can. So all told, we could talk about all kinds of people all throughout this list, but we added it up, and I would say conservatively, this is no joke, conservatively, the, the time, effort, and just generosity of this group probably saved us at least $60,000, okay? At least $60,000, and, and I, I have a, a I mean, I, I could probably bump that number 20000 more, and I wouldn't be speaking crazy, but I don't want to, I'm not trying to speak hyperbolically, I just, it was a substantial savings because of the work of these people. And we're honoring these people and their contributions as we have with others throughout this series. We've looked at especially people within our congregation who, who have gone above and beyond in some different ways and helped uh, pace set and, and lead the way in uh, some of these qualities that we've been looking at. But I wanted to honor these folks in particular today. I wanted you to hear that story. I wanted you to know a little bit of, of again, this broader story of what God has done through this renovation. Um, but it, this, their efforts, the, the quality of what they did, it really reflects it, what we're looking at today, the, the quality that we're looking at today. I, I will take you back to uh, the picture you saw there. You guys paid attention. If you watched any TV, have you seen these AT&T commercials, right? Just okay is not okay. Um, and, and there's commercials, right, at your doctor. If the doctor says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm okay at surgery, well, just okay is not okay. And you go to the tattoo parlor, I'm okay, all right? Just okay is not okay. And it, it goes on. There are a number of them. There's a, the babysitter, right? The babysitter's just okay. That's not okay. If there's a mechanic who's just okay, well, that's, that's not okay. Uh, sushi, right? If sushi is just okay, that's not okay. Okay, so it, it's a really compelling, really, really uh, important, uh, you know, ad, ad campaign. Uh, and, and it does resonate with us because we realize, yeah, there are certain things where we're just okay really is not okay. And it, it brings up this broader question for you and I, which is, what is good enough? What, what is good enough? It is okay in certain times, just okay. It, is it okay? We can see these situations where clearly it's not, but our, is okay okay? It, is good enough good enough? Right? That's, that's the question that we wrestle with on a lot of different scales, right? I mean, big picture-wise, this is a, a question that people have asked, right? Is, is, is uh, what is good enough when it comes to relating to the God of the universe? When have I done enough? 
How do I know if I'm okay with him? Is it a, a tipping of the scales kind of thing? So how is that, how does that play out? It's an important question for our spiritual lives, but it's also an equally important question as we just engage the stuff of life, if we, as we engage the, the projects and the different things that we find in our way. What is good enough? What, what, what's, what is enough? And then more specifically, what does it mean to be excellent? Right? If we're saying that, that we don't want to just be okay, then what does it mean to pursue excellence? I had a, a friend who said, famously in my mind, uh, that if your chosen maximum is the required minimum, then you're destined to a life of mediocrity. And if your chosen maximum is just what the, the bare minimum that's required, then, then your life over time, it, you're just heading down this road to mediocrity. And so how do we decide how to really give our energy into making things good and doing things well? well what does that look like and why should we do that? And as we think about some of those questions, I want us to recognize this big idea that excellence is something to pursue. And we'll look at what it is, but excellence in our projects is important because it's a dim but clear reflection of the excellence of our God. Okay? So something, and in all these cases, as we've been looking at these qualities, really what we're doing is saying, who is God, as we often do. I mean, this is really most of what we do. They say, well, here's who God is, and because of who he is, there are implications for who we are, and because of who God is, there are things that he does, and because of what he does, then that changes who we can be, and then it changes what we are called to do. And so excellence in our projects is a dim but clear reflection of the excellence of our God. There's not just one word, as you read through the Bible, there's not just one word that you say, oh, there's the, the, these are all the excellence verses. Because excellence, when we talk about it, really you're talking about this broad category describing just the goodness of things. But you need a lot of words to really get at it. And so God himself is described in a lot of ways that, that all get at this idea of excellence. Psalm 8.1, the psalmist says, Lord, our Lord, how magnificent is your name throughout the earth. You have covered the heavens with your majesty. That, that starts to get at it, the magnificence of God, the majesty of God. We, we don't use that word majesty all the time. Maybe you think back to elementary school and you sing about Purple Mountain's majesty. Right? But it, it's this idea of there's this, this thing that we see, we look at it, and we realize it's, it's gigantic and it's worthy of us looking at and honoring and, and it kind of takes our breath away and we, we start to get at the excellence of God. He is magnificent. His name, the thing that, that represents his doing and being on the earth, his name is magnificent. Psalm 150 verse 2, the psalmist says, praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. And so this is part of what it means that we talk about God's excellence, is that he does wonderful things. He, he is abundantly great in the acts that he performs. He is powerful in those. That, that starts to get at the excellence of God, his, his goodness, but his power as well. And Isaiah, the prophet, says in chapter 12, verse 5, Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known throughout the earth. He does things that are glorious. That, that word means weighty. These are things that aren't just, don't just capture our eye and sort of fade away. 
Right? There, there's a weight to these things. They are important. They matter. They're, they're, and it's not just for a, a short time, but eternally, these are the things that really matter. They're in, in kind of going back a few decades. They're heavy, man. Like these are things that, that really are important. This is what God does. And we find as, as Jesus comes on the scene, he is reflecting God's majesty, his greatness, his excellence. And what Jesus does then in going to the cross and securing redemption for us through his life and death and resurrection and, and offering this as a, a gift that we receive through faith, thus creating a people, what happens then is he, he wants us, like prime in terms of what it means to be God's people, is to reflect this excellence. And so we're told, 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? That you may proclaim the excellencies. This is the praise. You may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, if, if we've been transformed by the work of Jesus, if we've leaned our lives on what Jesus has done and said, this is where my life is found. All, I'm staking everything on him. Then understand he transforms our life and says, okay, now what I've called you into is to help others see just how wonderful I am. And he's not doing that out of ego. He's doing it out of truth. Because there's nothing greater. There's no one greater. There's nothing better. There's nothing more glorious, nothing more magnificent or majestic than God himself. And so, this becomes what we are about. And so we're to reflect that. And, and, and yet, because we kind of live in this in-between, it is a dim reflection. But make no mistake, we can clearly, though dim, there's still a clarity to reflecting the excellence of God. And so as we think about our projects, how we approach those projects does determine their outcomes, right? I mean, we're talking about not just kind of these, these big picture, you know, how do people think about the projects, but, but actually getting things done. How we approach that really does make a difference in terms of accomplishing things. But, but at the same time, our approach to our projects is intended for more than that. It's intended to say something about God. How we do things is intended to, to say something. Not just accomplish something in terms of the project itself, but to actually say something about who God is. And so today what we want to do is look at what excellence is, how to find it and pursue it, and really why. I think as we go through, you'll, you'll have an idea of, of what it is, how to find it, how to pursue it, and why we should. And so to do that, I want us to turn to the end of the letter to the Philippians. We're going to look right here at the, the tail end of the book of Philippians. Um, and so you, you can join me there if you've got your Bibles, or it'll be up here. And I want you to, to we're going to look at here Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And you'll notice by the first word that this is wrapping up a bigger argument, and then we'll, we'll get into why this is so important here at the tail end of this letter. The Apostle Paul who wrote this to the, the church at Philippi says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. 
Maybe you've heard that before, but I want us to, to really see. We're not even going to really break down in, in great depth all those words because really they're, they're pointing at a, something more important, this, this larger picture that we're looking at in terms of excellence. But we'll dig into it a little bit. But just notice, right, he starts out, he says, finally, finally, brothers and sisters, last thing I need to tell you. And he's going to say some other things after this, and it gets more into personal, kind of here's the relationships and, and, and dealing with them. But, but the end of what he wrote this letter for to address this church, he's going to wrap that up. And he's been concerned throughout the book of Philippians. If you, you read it, you could read it this afternoon in just 15 or 20 minutes. As he's wrapping this up, he's been concerned with helping these citizens of Philippi understand that they are citizens of heaven. That that great shift has, has taken place because they trusted Jesus. They are now citizens of heaven. And they need to understand then, how do I live between these two worlds? Where I really belong. I'm a citizen of this far country. This, this, this city that is yet to come. And yet, I'm living in the realities right here and now. And they're waiting for their faith to become sight. That's, that's the waiting. We talked about patience last week. But in the meantime, he's trying to help them because they have to patiently endure a world in which they're being persecuted for their faith. They're suffering because of their faith. And specifically, Paul is suffering, and they're trying to figure out, man, here's this guy we love, and how are we supposed to handle the fact that things are so volatile, and, and how are we supposed to engage in this, this culture that doesn't want much to do with our faith? How do we live this all out? And Paul says, well, you can actually be joyful, let me tell you how to straddle these two worlds. He says, though the world is harsh and difficult, what he's going to get at here at the very tail end, what he wants to remind them, he, he's helping them, again, live this in between. But as he wraps up, he's saying, look, the world is harsh and difficult. You're going you're, you're to suffer. I'm suffering. This, there's going to be hardships. But just because that, the world has that quality to it, it doesn't mean it has to be altogether abandoned. Okay. That's part of how we live in this in-between is understand that world does not have to be altogether abandoned. And so really what he's getting at is when we talk about excellence, we can find excellence anywhere and everywhere. Okay. We can find excellence everywhere. Matthew 5.45, Jesus, he's, he's making a, a broader point, but he, he says this and it, it gives us insight into this very idea. Matthew 5.45, he, he says, I've condensed it a little bit, but in essence, he says, your Father in heaven causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Again, he's talking about a, a specific implication of, of what this means, but, but let's not miss this. He's telling us something about God. God looks out at this world. He understands there are some who, who are for me and there are many who are against me. And yet, I am still allowing all people to experience some of my grace. They are experiencing grace. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The sun rises on the evil and the good. Which is to say, we can find excellence everywhere. We can look around and we can find excellence everywhere. This is what he gets at when he lists out these, these different qualities. What he's actually doing is he's dipping into the, the wisdom of his culture. He's dipping into the, the wisdom of the, the culture that the Philippians are part of. And he's giving them this, this list. And he's mentioning some of the things that they would have in that culture acknowledged and said were important. 
He says, look, you can look around and wherever you find things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable, man, pay attention to that stuff. And what he's getting at here, just again quickly, he says, well, wherever you find things that, that are full of truth, where, where things actually adhere to truth, not a truth that's made up, but the truth, understanding that truth is found in God himself, where you see things line up with the truth of God, enjoy that, whatever that is. Find those things. Pay attention to those. Whatever's honorable. In other words, if you find things that are worthy of respect, the culture, there are things that they respect. And sometimes the things that are respected in culture are respectable. They're actually respectable. And so pay attention for those things. There's sometimes where things are given respect that we can look and go, eh, I don't know about that. But there are plenty of things that are actually respectful. We, we give respect, we, we should, I mean, but, but generally we give respect to people in certain positions. Right? We, we, we give, we're respectful towards you know, people who govern us. I, I know I say that and that's why I pause. We're like, well, yeah, we should. Right? They're still doing a certain job. They, they should be given respect. So there's things that are respectful, that are, that are honorable. Whatever is just, where we see things happening rightly, like they should, where we find things that are pure, where we can look and go, you know, this is, this is just, it, it, it's good, it's pure. It, it's not tainted by false motives, like it's just really somebody setting out to be a help, to, to do good to other people. There's a purity to that. And then he ends with whatever's lovely and commendable, and these are really closely related to each other, but he's saying that there are things just in the culture that we love. Right? We, we love things. We love, you know, uh, puppies, and we love good food, you know, hamburgers, and there's just things that it, within the culture, there's just things that people love, and when you find those things, it's fine to commend those. It's fine to, to think highly. There are excellence in those things. And not just lovely, but there are things that are commendable, admirable, things that are well spoken of. And so excellence is found everywhere. But he, he's then going to make a bigger point. It, it, he says, look for those things, but, but know this, that really what you're looking for is, is where those things that the culture finds excellent, where those things actually adhere to what is truly excellent. So he's getting at, look, you can find excellence everywhere, but it's truly only seen in the light of the cross. If you really want to understand excellence, then we have to use the cross to shine light on that excellence. Look for the things that are, are true and noble and upright and, and all these things, pure, lovely, commendable, fine. But look at them through the lens of what Christ has done. Again, he says, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Now some, some, just a little background here, some commentators will look at this, they say, oh, it's just, there's been a big list, and then he's just sort of summarizing the list and saying, you know, morally excellent, things that are praiseworthy, and that's, that, may exact, that may be what he's talking about. But there's others that believe, and I think this is where, where I land in reading through this, is what, again, what he's getting at is, among that list of the culture, the things that the culture thinks are important, as you look into that, as you find things that are actually truly morally excellent, as you find things that are praiseworthy, dwell on those things. Well, what is truly morally excellent and praiseworthy? Well, at the end of the day, it's the gospel. It's what Jesus has done. It's who Jesus is. It's God himself. 
And so he's saying, let that shine light on all of those things. Search out the excellent. Be willing to engage the excellent in your culture, in your world. But do it in light of what Jesus has done. Don't just let whatever, how, however the world sees those things be the, the standard. Let the standard be the gospel. Let that shine the light and let that guide you as you consider these things. This is similar to what he said in, uh, earlier in the book. In this letter, he tells the Philippians, he says, everything that was a gain to me, chapter 3, verse 7, everything that was a gain to me, I've considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I've suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ. Now, it's interesting, right? Because he's looked and he's, he's kind of laid out some credentials. He said, you know, here's who I am I, by a certain worldly standard. I've got it all. He says, but if I put those things up in comparison to the cross, in comparison to knowing Jesus, that stuff's like dung, okay? That, that's what that word means. That's what he's talking about. He says, in comparison, there is no comparison. Because those things, those things don't really matter. So on the one hand, he's saying, I want you to see how much better, just gloriously better is knowing Jesus than any other thing you could pursue in this world. And yet here at the end of the letter, he's saying, I understand, I'm not saying that there aren't good things out there, but see those in light of this greater glory. Let the glory of the gospel shine light on all that stuff that is noble, upright, true, worthy, praiseworthy, admirable, honorable, all those things. Let the gospel shine the light and help you see those things for what they are. Regard them. When you find them, good. Regard them. Pay attention to them. Point them out. But let, the, let your eye travel along the, the light beam. In the words of C.S. Lewis, let your eye travel along the light that those things shine and let, them, let it take your eye to the greater glory, the source of that light. And so he goes on. He says, look, this is what I want you to do. And you say, well, then what, what happens because of that? And he goes on. And he says, then do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. He's now explaining, how, what does it look like to, to think about these things? That, that's what he said at the end of verse 8. Dwell on these things. Some translations say, think about these things. But, but know this, that word dwell, or think about, the word there is a word that you see the title, reckoning with excellence. It's the word reckon. It's an accounting term. It has to do with, with understanding what is happening here and seeing the reality of it, right? It's not me going, hey, you know what? I think I have $25 in my bank account. And so I'm going to go buy this thing that costs $24, hoping that that's right. No, it's me saying, no, I know I have $25 in my bank account, and so I can go buy that $24 item. It's, it's a reckoning with reality. And so what, what Paul's encouraging us to do here is you find these things that are truly, really excellent in light of who Jesus is, what he's done, man, reckon those things. Let those things actually then turn into action. Because then he goes on, he says, 
You want to know what to do? Do what you've learned and received and heard from me and you've seen in me. See how these things that you're finding, when you're wondering, how do I engage here? Find where those things line up with the the kind of faith you've seen practiced in me, Paul says, and then operate out of that. Let, Let this excellence guide you in your doing. And so understand this then, as we walk the trail of excellence, God himself will light our way. That's what he says. He says, as you do this, the God of peace will be with you. See, as we step out pursuing excellence, pursuing things that are good and honorable and just and true and pure and lovely and and commendable, as we set out to do that, what we find is we're we're walking because we're reflecting who God is. God wants to be a part of that. The God of peace will be with us as we set out on that road towards excellence. As you set out to do excellently in your work, whatever work, work at work or work at home, you say, God, I want to do this because you're worthy. I want to reflect your goodness. I want to reflect your excellence in, in my own work. I says, yeah, oh, that's great. Okay, let's go. I'm on board for that. Let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me give you wisdom. He's the God of peace. He will, he will help us here. He will shine light as we travel that way. And, and here's, here's specifically how he does it. Jesus made a promise that he was going to leave, but he'd send us a helper whose very job is to do that. And the helper is God himself, the Spirit. John 14, 16 to 17, he said to his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. This was a promise to those who had followed Jesus then. It's a promise to those of us who follow Jesus now. The counselor will be with us and in us. As we set out to do what is pleasing to the Lord, as we set out to do what reflects the excellence of God, man, this is the very job description of the Holy Spirit, is to bring glory and honor to the Son. And so when we walk this trail, he himself is lighting the way going, yeah, keep on. Yes, I know it's hard. I know that's tough. Oh, I know you, you spent a little bit of extra time to, to really do that right, to really think about other people in that, to, to really do something that, that others would say is, is, is praiseworthy. Not because you need their praise, but because you, you understood that would be a benefit to them. Holy Spirit is prompting us forward, cheering us on, giving us insight. Is there a struggle there? Yeah, he's growing our faith. He's, he's helping us learn. But this is what is delightful to God. It's pleasing to the Lord. So as you think about this, right, and I, I really still haven't given you a, a functional definition of excellence yet. I'm going to do that in a second. But, but be, as you think about this, I want you to, to take a look, not at an interview of, of somebody in our midst, but, but somebody who I respect, whose work I respect and I think highly of. And he's in a, a bit of a different category in terms of the work that he does than, than most of us here. But I think as you hear his story and you hear him talk about his work, you'll appreciate its excellence and its beauty. So I want you to meet Jake Weedman. He's a master penman. The video may tell you that. I forgot. But, but he is a master penman. There are only a few of these in the world. You'll, you'll hear more about that. But take a look and hear from Jake Weedman. 
there's actually a story of two of the greatest master penmen to live. Well, the two were sitting down across the table from one another, and F.B. Courtney wrote a word on a, on a piece of paper and threw it across the table, and he said, accomplish that if you can. And so Madaraz turned the paper over, wrote another word, threw it across the table, and he says, accomplish that in a lifetime if you can. And so it was, it was this life pursuit that they were after. It was honing the hand, learning the disciplines of whole arm movement and muscular movement to reach one pinnacle moment that was forever captured in a single letter. So I will fill a page with the same letter over and over and over, just so that when it comes time for me to execute that letter in an actual piece, I'm able to do so without thought that it's already imprinted into who I am, into my makeup and into my muscle memory, that I can execute it when the time comes. The pen is attractive to me because of what happens just at the tip of a pen. You get one shot, and, and what, what happens there uh, is permanent. And so you're putting in the, all of the motion that your body already naturally does down on paper. You're recording the ergonomics of the human body. In my calligraphy artwork, I am trying to preserve the past and forge the future. What I am taking from these old artists are, are these things that they have found true and beautiful, and so I am essentially curating them into another art piece. If we abdicate everything to to the machines that we create, then what we are doing is we're creating a sterile world that is void of uh, human influence. And so if we do that, out of, especially with something that is as deeply personal as handwriting is, then I feel that we're missing out a lot on each other. We're missing out on that, that connection that we have with, with one another. As one stroke builds off of another, so one man's heritage builds off of another's. Because what was once beautiful in the past and is still beautiful today holds the promise that it will be beautiful in the future. I believe that we are all created in the image of God and that we, we don't only bear his image in the way that we think, the way that we act, the emotions that we have, but in our desire to create. I believe that the things that, that God impresses upon us and the things that we find um, we are passionate about, he was first passionate about. So I see this passion in me to create is the most intimate way that I know God.
notice he didn't say, I learned from Christian penmen. He said, no, I learned from people who do excellent work. And I know that what has been beautiful in the past is beautiful now, holds promise that it will be beautiful in the future. Now, Jake's motivation is different than those other penmen, probably. But nonetheless, he finds what is excellent and says, I can then do what is excellent as well. There is, there is something praiseworthy and excellent in this. And so let, let me find that and let me bring that into my own work. And, and the difference being that my work is ultimately for the glory of God because I understand who I, who I am and what I'm here for. And, and so it is with each of us. Don't, you know, if, if you look, you're like, I, I'm not interested in art and pens and, you know, just give me a crayon if I have to kind of thing. You know, like, that's fine. But understand, whatever work you are being, have been given to do, you can still approach. You and I, we can approach it in the same way. We can take, just as he said, we, we can seek to preserve what has been beautiful and excellent in the past and forge a future that is beautiful and excellent in the work that we do. That's what we've done in this place. We took what was, what was excellent. There were excellent bones in this building. And said, how do we preserve those and yet forge something in the future that can bring glory and honor to the Lord? And the result has been people are praising this place. I, we were working last night serving at Blues Fest for the Chamber of Commerce. And, and I was blown away as soon as people saw Grove Church. They said, oh, that, that, you guys just renovated that, that building there, right? Yeah, how'd you know? I mean, there's just a lot of big sign out front. Uh, yeah, we've been watching. We, we live close. And we, it's like, see, this is what God does. This is what he will continue to do. And it doesn't mean we can just show up at this building and everybody's just going to want to flock here. But it means that as we do things, as we do things with excellence, as we seek to demonstrate the beauty and excellence of our God, it gives people a, a reason to pay attention. And we can do that in all that we are called to do. So as you participate and, and lead in projects, a few things I want us to keep in mind in light of the excellence of God and what it means for us to be excellent. First thing is determine the win. Right? Really determine what, what is the win here. What do we really need to, to pursue in this project? You know, we mentioned it is, is just okay, okay. Right? Is, it, is that just okay? Well, here's the thing. There are certain situations where the win is not, I created a masterpiece, the most beautiful thing that you could ever do in this situation. That, that's not what, what the excellence was that was needed. Maybe the excellence was that people were treated rightly and instead of just going after making this thing as beautiful as it possibly could, we said, you know what, in this moment, the more important thing is we make sure that everybody gets fed. Right? Or everybody gets to participate. You've got to think, what, what is the actual win here? And then as we look at the win, say, let me not just pursue it in such a way that I just barely tick across. Now that may be, the, in the end, that may be where we land, is that, man, I, I just kind of got over that line. But then as we determine the win, then let's say, okay, let's go after that. And, and maybe we'll be able to do even beyond what we thought. Because we trusted the Lord, and in His excellence, we were able to accomplish even more. So, determine the win. And the second thing, which relates to what I just said, is remember what really matters. We started this series, we said, 
at the, very, at the forefront, right, is that people matter. And God is, in a certain sense, a person. He's not human, though Jesus is human, right? Took on human flesh, fully human, fully God. But he is a person. He's three persons and one God. And so he is our priority. And then people are the priority. And so remember what really matters. I'm not going to dive in here, but, but into to the, these verses you see there, Genesis 2 and 3, just for the sake of time. But understand, we, we all tend to be tripped up because we go from wanting to do, to enjoy what God has said is, is enjoyable and beautiful and functional. We go from just that to, well, now maybe I can do this and I can leave him by the wayside. Maybe I can accomplish, I can have all of that stuff, but I don't have to actually engage with my maker. And so this trips us up, either leaving God behind because we get full of our own pride about our work, or we leave people behind. Again, out of pride, out of just wanting to accomplish stuff. And so suddenly people, they, they get shoved down. It's, you know, the task matters. Well, no, people matter. Our tasks may not last, but people, they are eternal. So we, we, we have to keep in mind that they matter most. And then finally, this is really what I think is the, the best definition of excellence I've ever heard. Do the best you can with the time and resources you have. That, that's really, when we talk about excellence, we're talking about doing our best with the time and resources we have. You, you may, I mean, I, you know, I watch you know, cooking shows, watch some of the, or, or these renovation shows and some of these things, and I think, dude, if I just had all of those tools and that whole crew or that kitchen and that grill, and I, you know what I could do? And the reality is, well, I still wouldn't know what to do, but I don't have that stuff. So what can I do with what I have? And there are times that I have to make choices. You know, if I, if I spent another five hours on this thing, it would be really, really great. Yeah, but you also have to spend time on some other things. And so I understand these are not just easy choices all the time. This is where, as we walk this trail, God lights our way. This is the way of wisdom. This is the way of walking by faith, trusting the Lord. Do the best you can with the time and resources available. We are not perfect people. We know that. If you're here and you're like, no, wait, I, I think I might be. Okay, well, then we're going to spoil it for you. But, but, know this, we serve a perfect God. And as we seek to reflect his excellence, we can do things, especially together, guys. We, we've done them, and we can continue to do things together that are really high quality, that are really praiseworthy, honorable, commendable. The, the kind of things that make people stop and realize that what they've seen is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. And so as we do that, as we do that, may people see the one who is truly excellent and who is truly worthy of praise. Let's pray together. Father, you are excellent. You are majestic. There is a day when we will all, regardless of the faith commitment that we've made, we will all see you and know the fullness of your majesty. 
and we will be utterly astonished. And we will realize that even the words that we have in the English language don't have a, allow us to say enough about how great and wonderful you are. And yet, Lord, you allow for us because of how you've made us and because of how you can remake us through Jesus this promise that we can do things that are reflexive, reflective of your majesty, of your excellence. God, would you allow that in our lives? And would you allow us to see if, if we're walking a path right now where we're, we haven't really acknowledged that, whether ever or, or just lately? Would you help us to see that, that what is truly, who, the one who is truly excellent is you? And that part of your excellence is your grace, your willingness to pull us out of our lack of excellence, pull us out of the things that trip us up, seeking our, our own selfish gain or, or overlooking you or other people. God, you pick us up out of that and you rescue us from it. Help us to recognize that, to respond to the goodness that we find in Jesus Christ. We pray for your help for us individually and for us as a people to continue to do excellent things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray that you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at thegrovekc.com for more ways to connect with us. And join us again next week for another podcast from The Grove Church. Have a great day.